Isn't that a great song? You're a good, good father. And that just sort of, it falls right into what we're talking about today, which which is giving. And today we're talking about the joy of giving and the motivation for giving is love. And then whenever we sing a song like that, I'm reminded that, that Jesus first gave. And he gave and his motivation and giving to us is just simply because he loves us. And so if you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in verse number 1, or as a politician said, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse number 1. We'll be looking there in just a, in just a few moments. There was a, a former comedian, a comedian from a long time ago named Flip Wilson. I don't know if y'all remember him. I remember him as a kid. And he was telling a, a story about a pastor talking to his church, trying to encourage his church and motivate the church in their giving. And so he talked to the church. He said, church, if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to make a difference, he said, we first of all, we've got to learn how to crawl. And then the, the crowd was responsive to him. They said, pastor, let it crawl, let it crawl. He said, if we're going to, go, if we're going to crawl, he goes, the one thing we've got to do is we've got to learn how to walk. And they said, well, let it walk, pastor, let it walk. And he said, if we're, going to, if we're going to walk, then the next thing that we've got to do is we've got to, we've got to run. And so then the, the church, just, they, they said, let it run, pastor, let it run. He said, if it's going to run, he said, it's going to take money. Court church real quiet. Finally, somebody said, let it crawl, pastor. Let it crawl. Now, you know, we, we all want to make an impact. We all desire to make a difference. But then whenever you find out what the cost is, well, then, you know, we sort of start backing off a little bit. And that kind of reminds me of like of, like of exercise. You know, we all know that exercise is something that's good and we want to be in good shape and all those different things. But then, you know, you start finding out the cost that comes with it. And then I start thinking, you know, it's really not that bad having a marshmallow body. You know, whenever, you know, whenever you look at the cost and then you look at what you have to put into it, sometimes it's easier to begin to back off. Well, today we are concluding our series on Give. And today we're going to be looking at the joy of giving and the motivation that comes with giving is love. And I really believe that people have a desire to be generous, but then whenever it comes time to actually doing it, then we get a little bit hesitant about doing it. And so today in our passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul points out the positive side of giving. You know, the positive side of generosity. Jesus himself said in Acts 20, 35, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we've we've heard that before. The question is, is that true? Or is that just some little mantra that we like to uh, chant because it sounds good? Well, today what we're going to find out is we're going to find out that it is something that is true. And that's what we're going to look at today in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in verse number 1. Now, the background of this text we're going to look at today, it's, it's an interesting background because Paul was writing this letter. Of course, it's to the Corinthian church. It's 2 Corinthians. It's a second letter that he's written to the church. And what the Corinthian church had done is they'd heard that there was another church that was in, back in Jerusalem that was in need. They were struggling. And so the Corinthian church, if you read about the Corinthians, they're, you know, they're very gifted people. They're always the first ones to do stuff. And so they made a commitment. They said, we're going to give. We're going to help this church out. We're going, we're going to be sacrificial in our giving. And it, it sounded good, but here's the problem. They made the promise, but they hadn't followed through yet. Now, now why hadn't they, you know, they made a promise, so why hadn't they followed through? My guess is that they're probably very much like people today. You know, we like to, we like to, we have good intentions. You know, we want to do good things, but then as time kind of gets by, we sort of like forget about those things. Or, you know, we said, man, I can't believe I actually made that promise. And then we kind of try to hide, not, not go through with it. 
Now, Paul knew they'd made this promise, but instead of, instead of Paul, who was one of the founders of this church, instead of him going to the church and then beating them in the head about not giving, Paul went there in order to inspire them to give. And, and I think that's a, that's a tactic that we need to be better about, or I need to be better about, in, in approaching people about, about giving and serving and following Jesus. It's, it's to inspire people as opposed to guilt-tripping people. Now, I don't know how y'all are, but I know that I just have this thing about when people try to guilt trip me to do something, I don't, I don't respond very well to it. Now, I know some people do. Uh, I just sort of put up this wall, and I was like, you know, you can guilt trip me. It might be the best thing in the world to do, but I don't, I don't care what it is. I'm not going to do it. Now, Paul took a different tact. And he said, I want to inspire you, to motivate you to give, because there is joy that comes with giving. And what motivates a person to give, ultimately it comes from a place of love. And so I just want us to see how love and joy is demonstrated when we give. And one of the things that you discover is that whenever you're a person who's motivated by love to give, it brings joy into you in such a way that you will give in spite of your circumstances. It's just something that you want to do. It becomes a part of who you are. Uh, In chapter 8, verse number 1, That's what Paul wrote to the people. He said, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. Now, why does it take love to be a person, to to be generous? Why does it take love to be the motivator for us to give. And I think for me it's something that's it's fairly simple. It's because everything, when it comes down to it, just about everything hinges on money. Have you all noticed that? If you want to eat, what do you have to have? I mean, You've got you to have money. I mean, today you do anyway. If you're like me, you've got to have it. I, I ain't growing it. So you've got you to have money. If you're, gonna, if you're going to be transported from one place to another, it takes, it takes money. If you have children, it takes more money than you have. So, you know, everything hinges on money. And so then whenever you begin to talk about the subject of giving, you think, if I, everything hinges on money, but then I am, I am called to give in order to support, to support the work of God. Well, if I give, then that means that I have less. And so that puts me in the bad situation. And that puts me in a tight situation. Now, I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago that the average American is carrying a debt of $225,000. Now, how in the world can a person give whenever they are living their life from basically paycheck to paycheck? You watch the stock market, and I, you, know, I, you look at it, and you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to work until I'm 200 you know, to be able to retire. So whenever it comes to giving, it's, it's very easy to begin to make excuses as to why you can't give. And that's why Paul, in the first couple of verses, he starts talking about this church in Macedonia. And the Corinthians hadn't given yet. They'd made a promise, but then he said, you haven't given yet, but let me tell you about this church in Macedonia. They are giving. They, they are following through with what they said that they were going to do. And he said, and they're not making excuses as to why they can't give. 
He said that they were, in, they were in very difficult circumstances, but they were giving anyway. Now you might say, well, the circumstances couldn't have been that bad if they're still giving. Well, what kind of circumstances were they in? Well, Paul had been to Macedonia before, and in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, he talked about his experience in this area. He said, in fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears inside. More than likely what was going on with the people that were living in Macedonia who were Christians is they were undergoing persecution because of their faith. They were struggling in life. Uh, Paul went on to say that they were experiencing deep poverty. That doesn't sound good, does it? I mean, that, that this means this is an indicator that they did not have any money. That, that word deep poverty, it is the picture of a person who has nothing, who is begging, and they are begging with no hope for getting anything more. That's deep poverty. But even though they were in deep poverty, Paul said they were generous. Paul said they were willing to give. They were not willing to use their circumstances as an excuse not to be generous. Now, I don't know about y'all, but there's a lot of times when I make excuses. You know, when something doesn't go right, when something is wrong, it's easier for me to blame something else instead of putting the blame on me, and it may, just makes me feel better. It's like, well, it's really, ultimately, it's really not my fault. It's just the sort of the extenuating circumstances. Um, whenever I look at, I, and I love sports, and I look in the sports world, and I, I, there's, some, there's some crazy things that, that go on in sports world. And whenever somebody's not winning, a lot of times teams will have excuses as to why they didn't win. Um, the, the Chicago Cubs have not won a World Series since, does anybody know when the last time they won the World Series was? 1908. Now, the, the reason why they haven't won since 1908, most of us would say it's because they're not any good. Well, there's a real reason for it. They're, they were cursed. Did y'all know this? There was the curse of the goat. Um, so you, you, know, you hear that right there, and you go, well, no wonder they haven't won. Okay, so what happens? 1945, they played in the World Series. There was, a, I think it was a bar owner who wanted to go to one of the games, had a goat with him, and went up there to get a ticket to go in. They would not let him in. And so he cursed the team. He said, you'll never play in the World Series again. They haven't. Yeah, that is why... They, that is why they've not been in the World Series again. It's because of the curse of the goat. Now, sometimes you would think, well, maybe it's because they're not any good. No, that's not it. it is the, that's the excuse, the curse of the goat. Now, now, I look at the people in Macedonia. Did they make an excuse? They had every reason. We have the curse of being Christians. We don't have anything. But they did not make excuses in their giving. Instead, they were willing to give in spite of their deep poverty, in spite of their affliction. Well, why? It's real simple. Guys, when you experience God moving, you want to see more of it. And it doesn't matter what your circumstance is. When you see God move, there is something that is powerful about it. And you say, I want to see more of that. We've experienced this at Village Church. We've experienced the power of God moving, even at times of when, when it wasn't convenient for us. I remember the very first meeting I ever had when we talked about starting Village Church. I went to speak to a group of men. It was September 11th, 2001, at 10 o'clock in the morning, and the TVs were on behind me. I had no idea what was going on. And nobody listened to a word I said as the Twin Towers came crashing down. That was not convenient. Whenever we built the, the, the building right next door, 
2008, as we, we started going through a capital campaign program, as the economy began to tank, that was not a convenient or a good time for us to do a capital campaign. But you know what? You gave anyway. Why? Well, for those of you who had been around for a while, you had seen God move and touch and bless lives as we moved from one school to another, and we saw people transformed and changed. You see, whenever we see God move and you experience God move, you want more of it in such a way that you are willing to give in spite of circumstances. Because there's something powerful about seeing God move. That's the very first thing that I see. You know, it, our giving occurs in spite of circumstances because we are motivated by love because we've seen the joy of what happens. But here's another thing. You know, love is demonstrated in our giving because when we see, when we see what happens, man, it makes us enthusiastic. So we will give with enthusiasm. We'll give with enthusiasm. Let me read you a, a longer section of Scripture starting in... Uh, verse number 3, it says, I testify that on their own, according to their ability, and then he says, and beyond their ability, this is the church in Macedonia, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves especially to the Lord, then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete this grace to you. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this grace. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich." Now, that's kind of a long section of Scripture, but I just want to point, point you to the verse that really just sort of jumped out at me as I read this. And it's verse number 4. And if you look in verse 4, it says, speaking of the church of Macedonia, it says, They begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints. Now, remember, the church of Macedonia, they're undergoing persecution. More than likely, they have been blackballed in the community where they were living which meant that they were, in they were in dire financial straits. And then I look at that verse, and it says, they were begging Paul to give. Y'all, I've been a pastor for a pretty good while now. I have never had somebody come up to me begging to give. Do you think that was, I mean, that had, now just for, for pastors, that would be mind-blowing. When we just dropped dead, if somebody came up, they were begging to give. Why were they begging to give? Why were they in, so that enthusiastic to want to support another ministry? Let me tell you why. It's real simple. Because they, they knew what God could do. They knew that God transformed hearts, that He changed people. They knew that God could take a broken people like them and He could use them for His glory. He knew that, he, that, that God could take a bankrupt people and he could use them to bless others. You see, whenever you've experienced the power and the hope of God touching your life, you want other people to experience it as well. You want other people to know the joy of God in your life. And I, and I look at our text and I think, but they didn't, have, they didn't have anything really to give. There might be some of you who think, I don't really have anything to give either. 
Guys, let me tell you something. Whenever you give from what you have, God blesses that. Remember a couple of weeks ago, remember the little boy in the story and the feeding of the 5,000? He had two fish, sardines, and five loaves of bread. Not much, but he gave it to Jesus. What did Jesus do with that? Yeah, he, he multiplied it. That boy brought his little gift, and God used it to feed fifteen to 20,000 people. God is not interested in the size of our gifts. God is interested in the heart that comes with giving. In the next chapter, Paul told the Corinthians, he says, you know what? He said, God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. It's, it's not the size of the offering. It is the heart of the offering. That's why whenever Jesus saw the widow coming into the temple and she gave, it says, two widows' mites. God commended her. Jesus commended her. In Luke 21, it says, He looked up. He saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. I tell you the truth, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. Let me tell you something. It is hard to give with enthusiasm when you are hanging on to everything that you've got tight. It's whenever you're willing to loosen the grip on what you have that God begins to bless it. Let me give you an example. I, one of the most frustrating sports that there is is golf. If any of you play golf, I mean, you, you know, right, somebody once said, you can, you can never own the game of golf, you only rent it. And if you play golf, you know exactly what that's like. Now, I think if I'm going to hit a good shot, you know, and I want to I I really put a lot of power into it, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm gripping that club as hard as I can, and I'm just going to chop down on that ball. But, but here's what I've learned. The, the tighter you grip the club the less, you know, less free-flowing movement, movement that you have, and you actually you sort, of, you sort of blunt the power of your swing when you're gripping it tightly. If you want the ball to go further, you have to hold the club lightly. Isn't that interesting? And the same thing's true in giving. If you want your, your giving to go a long way, guys, you can't hang on to what you have tightly. You have to be willing to hold on to it loosely, to be willing to let it go. And whenever you're hanging on to it loosely, then God can take it and He can bless it more than you ever imagined. That The Macedonian church, they were a great example because even though they didn't have much, they were willing to release what they had. Why? Because, because of love. You see, their giving, our giving, it demonstrates, you know, your giving and our, my giving demonstrates what we really love. Jesus said in Matthew 6.21, he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, no, matter, no matter what we have, we always give to that which we love. Christmas time. Who did you buy gifts for? Who did you buy your best gifts for? It wasn't me, by the way. You know who it was? It was, it was the people that you love. You give towards that which you love. I look at the Macedonian church. They love God. And guys, whenever you love God, you give to Him. There's joy that comes with giving. You know, joy is so powerful that in your giving that, that whenever you have a joy of God in you, you're going to give in spite of your circumstances. You're going to give with enthusiasm. And here's the last thing. You'll, you'll follow through. In your giving, you'll follow through. Now, verses 10 through 12, the last three, verse, three verses I'll read. 
Paul said, now I'm giving an opinion on this because it's profitable for you who a year ago began not only to do something but also to desire it. A year previously, they had made a promise we're going to give. He said, but now finish the task as well that just as there was an eagerness to desire it, so there may be also a completion from what you have. For if the eagerness is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Now, in verse number 10, Paul gives counsel to the people here. He says, guys, finish what, you have, finish what you've begun. He said, now I'm giving an opinion on this because it's profitable for you who a year ago began not only to do something but also to desire it. He said, whenever you have this desire to give, he said, follow through on it. You know, desire's not enough. Desire's not enough. We've heard the, the phrase before, the old statement, the, the road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. Good intentions, it's, it's good to have intentions to do something, but they don't amount to anything until you put action behind them. That's what Paul was saying. He said, it was good for you to desire to give, they can't stop there. He said, follow through. He said, finish the task. Begin the process. He said, give. Guys, God is not interested in the portion of what we give. He's interested in proportion. He's not interested in us giving what we don't have. He's interested in, in us doing with what we do have. You know, a lot of times I'll hear, pe hear people say, if I had a million dollars, I'd do this or that. God's not interested in what you would do with stuff that you don't have. What, what he's interested in is, what are you going to do with what you do have? And then whenever you are faithful in what you do have, did you know there is a promise from God to take care of you, to bless let me give you an example. We had our, our V group meeting just a few weeks ago. And uh, we were talking about, we were talking about giving. And uh, Emily told a story about how, how God had blessed us in our giving. Now let me just share with you. When we first started the church uh, uh, 14 years ago, uh, it, was, yeah, it was fun, but I don't want to ever do that again. It was, uh, th there's just a lot of stuff that was going on in our lives. I, I told Emily, I thought that there was, at some point, I thought God was trying to kill us, but he kept on missing. And so we, we had bought this house. It was a black hole, everything that we had. We were just pouring money into it. And we got a bill one day, and Emily was looking at the bill, and we couldn't pay the bill. And so Emily, being like she is, she began to pray and ask She's asking God, God, you have to help us here. I don't know what to do. And she's looking at the bill. She unfolds the bill. And as she does, there's a check in there, and it, and it falls out. It's an uncashed mortgage check that um, somehow had fallen in there, and she looked at it. And it was more than enough to pay her bill. Can you tell that story means a lot to me? It's kind of a big deal. Um, so you know what that means? You know what that did for us? Especially when it comes to giving? Well, we can trust God. God is faithful. He blesses. We did, y'all, and I'm, this is just obvious, everything's relative. 
we didn't have squat. But my wife was faithful in giving. And God provided. How does a, I can't figure this out. How did a mortgage check fall into a bill so that when we don't have anything to pay, she opens it up and there is a check there that's more than enough? Let me, tell you, let me tell you what that does. That increases your faith, and that makes it easy to finish the task. It makes it easy to give. You know, I know now, when God calls me to give, when God calls you to give, let me tell you something. He will, he will enable you to do it. God is not a liar. He enables, he provides. Let me tell you something. You want, to, you want to see the blessings of God? You know, we want to see the blessings of God. We want to see God move, all that stuff. It's, it, it, you will not see it until you have faith to trust Him. You want to see the blessings of God in your giving? Let me tell you when it happens. When you give. That's when it happens. It doesn't happen when you sit back there and go, I wonder what would happen if I did give. You will see the blessings when you do give. And what you find out is God is true. Now you say, well, why would I want to give to the church? Like, guys, let me tell you, the church is the most powerful, we could say institution. It is the most powerful, here's what it is. It's the most powerful group of people that there is in the world. And that's true because of what Jesus said. Jesus talked to Peter about this. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And he said, And the gates of Hades will not prevail uh, or overpower the church. You want to invest in something that, that hell can't even overcome? It's the church. It's God's people. And we are in need of a bulwark in our society today that will stand firmly against the march to secularism, the march to selfishness, and it is the church. It is the greatest mission. God's people working together in the church is the greatest mission that we can support because we can know that it will stand. And whenever we... Whenever we begin to understand that, guys, let me tell you something, there's joy that comes with supporting a work that we know will stand the test of time because God is in it. So that's good news. So as you have your Almond Joy candy bars, think of the joy of giving.